0: Hi there, and welcome to Musings of a High Achiever. I'm Mackie, and today we are going to talk about why taking action before you're ready is powerful. Now, for those of you who have listened to a few of these episodes, you know that my area of focus is type A high achieving personalities who are very conditioned to think about success in a very specific way that isn't necessarily always serving you. And so what we talk about is the ways that you can look at that conditioning and make any necessary changes so that you can have a more fulfilling experience. Okay, so on to the topic at hand, why taking action before you're ready is so powerful. I know this is something I personally have struggled with, I've seen some of my clients struggle with this, where you've got something that you really wanna do or try or start, but you feel like you're consistently in that place where you're always getting ready to be ready. You might be overthinking, overanalyzing, and you may even be trying to perfect something before you take action. And the great thing about this topic is that some of the challenges we're going to talk about are pretty common and can show up in various areas of your life, not just when you're trying to initiate something. But here's the thing. I've seen way too many really smart, talented people who have something to bring into the world get completely stuck in the process of just trying to cross all the T's and dot all the I's, but never really feeling like that part of the preparation is ever done. So they kind of just stay stuck in that place where it's a someday type of thing, you know, at some point in the future, I'll be ready to do this. It's not quite ready yet. And then a bunch of anxieties and things can kind of kick up and make it so that that timeline becomes nearly endless, right? Where you're always considering what you can do or how you can be more prepared rather than just taking a simple action and letting some of those things fall into place as you move forward. One of the biggest challenges with that is that when you are getting ready to do something new, there's definitely going to be a lot of different types of questions and considerations that are going to come up. The situation, you know, just by definition, because it's new, is somewhat unfamiliar to you. So you don't necessarily have all the answers and you can't anticipate every single thing that may come up. You may be talking to other people or reading up on recommendations that are related to the thing that you're trying to initiate. And those checklists can be super, super long and kind of just really be distracting, to be honest with you, because if there's anything I've learned from going through some of these processes myself, it's that I have had a tendency to get stuck in the overthinking and overanalyzing phase. And what I find is that often the things that I'm thinking about and considering either don't even ever become issues or become issues so far down along the path after starting something that it's not worth spending your time and energy on up front. Even though you can convince yourself that it's logical and that there's a lot of merit to sort of spinning your wheels and trying to consider all the angles. Sometimes it's just not the case. Sometimes it's really just bullshit, and it's it's a delay tactic, and it's really important to know the difference. So I want to talk about the two main common conditioning challenges that come up whenever you're trying to initiate something new. I'll give some specific examples so that you know you kind of get two different lenses and, and can think about how to apply that to your life. And then I'll give you just a little bit of food for thought in terms of how you can proceed when and if this is happening to you so that you don't have to stay in the endless preparation phase. Conditioning challenge number one, when you're getting ready to initiate something new is the need for control. (laughs) And excessive need for control can show up as perfectionism. And that can be over feeling like you need to get the details straight ahead of time, the process itself, the steps you're going to take, the anticipated outcome, it can show up at every single phase of the entire process. But for sure, if you get stuck in overthinking and overanalyzing, you know that it's showing up in the preparation phase before you even start the thing. So let's talk about that first. Look, control is just a freaking hamster wheel. It, It is, if you are already kind of a logic brained person, then things like details and questions and concerns are all going to continuously pop up as you think through whatever it is that you're trying to initiate. And it even may be the case that what comes up for you is actually legit, but I'll argue that not everything that comes up is something that you need to be thinking about right now. So instead of encouraging you right now to say like, just stop overthinking it. Like that's like telling you to not think about the pink elephant in the room, right? It, you just can't turn that part of yourself off. And that's fine. You don't need to do that. But here's what I would suggest. If you get into the habit of asking when one of those questions pops up, is this for now or later? And secondarily, is it necessary? Then those two questions can be very, very supportive in helping you sort through what is something that you feel like you want to think through now and what's something that you can write down so that you don't forget it and that gives you a layer of security and knowing like, I understand that this may be an issue at some point, but not spend a lot of time on it right now in this moment. I want to give you an example so that it's more concrete. And I will I will give this specific example because it's one I have experience with and it's one that several of my clients have experience with. And that is considering leaving your corporate job in order to have your own to do something on your own. Whether that is maybe you want to start consulting, maybe you want to create a speaking business, maybe you want to become a coach, maybe you're gonna veer completely off course and you're going to start a house flipping business or do real estate. And by the way, all of these things are scenarios that have come up in in the conversations that I've had with people. What can happen when you're in that space is that you might be feeling really excited and energized by the possibility of doing this new thing. And then the eruption of all the questions, concerns and anxieties that come with that come to the surface. For me personally, when I was starting, when I was thinking about leaving my corporate job to, to do what I'm doing now, there was so much to think about, not only from my own perspective, like how am I going to get in front of people? How am I going to let them know what I'm doing now? How am I going to expand my network? Because the network I've had up to this point isn't necessarily the right one for me to move forward with. What do I need, you know, in terms of software or tools or other things? Do I need to have a budget for things like marketing? And, you know, the the questions were endless. And then, you know, on top of all that, there were the questions of, what do I do first? Do I register myself as an LLC, or do I uh, do I need to hire a lawyer because I'm going to need contracts for working with people? And as you can see, like there's just this is like an endless barrage of things that come into your mind to think about. Do I need to be certified? You know, that's another thing that comes up a lot. Do I need a license for this? Do I need a certification? The possibilities are endless, and because you're it's new to you, so there are a lot of questions. And there's this additional layer that for whatever thing it is that you're trying to start, there's plenty of recommendations and advice and social media and books and podcasts about what do you do in order to start this thing. You can get tricked into thinking that all of those things are equally important or that they all need to be figured out before you can move forward. And it's simply not true. You don't need to do everything for me what i discovered and i definitely felt overwhelmed and like i was drinking from the fire hose and again i see this in my clients as well so we talk through it because i have been through that process personally is that really identifying what is an absolute need for right now and what can wait is super powerful one of the things that came up for me very early in my consideration was do i need to get a certification in order to have my business there was so much conflicting information i was working with a coach to help me kind of cross that finish line of leaving my corporate job to start something else. So it was really helpful to have somebody that I could speak to specifically about that. And but then there was also just a lot of advice online in the in the online space or you know, if you're going to be a coach of any kind and you are on your own, a certification is really important. That was the opposite of what my Coach that I had hired had set to me. And so I had to dig around a little bit and see what the advice was. And, and the reality is that um, coaching is not a regulated industry per se. So you do have the option of pursuing certification or not pursuing certification. So I really had to sit down and think about like, what is certification going to get me? At that point, I had 13 years of corporate experience. A certification wasn't gonna teach me about what it's like to be in the corporate environment and what that mindset is and what that deep experience is as a high achieving person. Those were my personal experiences that far trumped or outweighed anything that a certification could give me. And then before that, I you know, had gotten a master's degree in genetic counseling and I had this background in like psychology and walking people through difficult situations. And that was a part of my education, my higher education between those two things, it didn't make sense for me to pursue certification. So I didn't. Now, is that going to be the answer for everyone? No, some people may feel much more confident with the certification. um, And in some cases, it might be necessary. Like if you want to do something with real estate, you, you need to get a license and you know, a real estate license. So there are places where You're gonna have choice points, and there are places where it's just really clear, you're gonna either, you have to do this in order to get started. For me, I made the decision, I'm not gonna do this in order to get started because at any point, if I change my mind, I can go through the certification process if I want to. I knew I needed an LLC, so I started with that. When questions like, gosh, do I need scheduling software? That's a thing that a lot of people tell you to get, so you can simply send a link to someone to schedule their time, but honestly, when I was first getting started, it wasn't like I was just inundated with people who needed to be on my calendar. So I thought, nah, I'll just, you know, I'll schedule via email, I'll schedule in conversation when I'm sitting with someone at a meeting and we look at our calendars and decide, this is when we're gonna meet. So I knew that that was for later. And so on and so forth, right? You just do that with your different decision points. Even from a contracting perspective, one of the things that came up was, do I need to hire a lawyer in order to get a contract started? And as I did research, I saw there's so many different great resources that tell you, like, these are the things you should include in a contract. Here are example contracts that will cover your bases legally, get some professional insurance so that you have liability coverage in case something doesn't go exactly to plan and you need that little layer of protection. So there were things like that where I could say like, okay, I don't need to hire a lawyer to do a contract right now because there's really great resources, but I am going to go ahead and get professional general liability insurance because that just is the right thing to do. Those are just a few examples for you. Another one that I can think of is let's say you're really interested in, this one's come up a lot, interior design maybe. Maybe that's just something you're really good at. Well, Are you going to decide that you can't proceed unless you have some kind of certification or degree in interior design? Or are you gonna go ahead and start doing projects, take amazing pictures and build a portfolio and show someone your innate abilities? That person that you're talking to wants somebody who has those credentials, then they can work with someone else and for other people who are more drawn to the work that you've done, they may really wanna work with you. So these are all just choice points. Again, there's no right or wrong answer. There are just ways to consider the questions that come up in a way that you don't feel like every single one of those boxes has to be checked in order for you to proceed. Another example I can give that's more of a personal one that, that might resonate with some of you is around the idea of like registries, you know? So if you've gotten married and, and registered for gifts, or if you've had a child and you've registered for gifts for a baby shower You know how overwhelming and insane those registry recommendations can be. Like, I remember thinking initially like, oh, this is gonna be really fun in both of those cases and then feeling like bored out of my mind (laughs) by the process and thinking like, do I really need all this shit? Cause I hope not, you know, but you just do it because it's a recommended list and you don't know any better yet. Once you're married and using your stuff or you have had a baby and they're there, you recognize 50% of that, I didn't need it. I didn't need it, it wasn't necessary, it wasn't the bare minimum, it wasn't essential. And this is kind of like that process, because you haven't been through it yet, you're thinking I need all the things, but the reality is you don't need all the things. It's okay to think about all the things and write down everything that comes up, but then be discerning about what it is that you need to do right now. So that addresses the control element of conditioning. The second piece I wanna talk about is fear. The fear of failure, of not measuring up, of being rejected, of not being able to make it work, whatever that is for you. Again, so incredibly normal to have some anxiety when you're getting ready to do something that you've never done. You've heard me talk about this in the past, but I'll readdress it here because it's so important. It's natural to have a confidence gap when you have never done the thing that you're getting ready to do. You don't have proof that you can make it work because you haven't done it yet. So that can create this anxiety around like, what if I can't? What if I fail? What if I'm not considering all the angles? What if something goes wrong? If you can accept that that is a normal part of the process and not let it stop you, that's really the best way to handle it, right? It's You got to ask, what am I afraid of? So if you're in that place where when the fear comes up, you feel super anxious, and you kind of have like butterflies in your stomach, and it's really uncomfortable, so you're tempted to just walk away and wait a little longer so that you can feel more prepared. If you can ask yourself in those moments, what am I afraid of, and get specific on what those specific fears are, that's going to help you give those fears their proper weight. I'm gonna give you another personal example. And this one's really vulnerable so I'm I'm sharing a, a sharing something that's like ah, kind of hard to share but when I was writing my book so kind of there's elements of the preparation piece as well as the fear piece in here you know one of the things that gets recommended frequently is go get somebody kind of well known to give you some kind of a little comment or testimonial or something you know how when you see books there's a couple of pages in the front where there's comments and reviews and things like that from people and or organizations that are considered credible to kind of lend your work some credibility, really, for lack of a better term. And so I thought that's really good advice if you're somebody who's somewhat well known, or at least regarded as an expert in your field when you're getting ready to publish a book. But that just that wasn't my personal scenario. My personal situation was that I had just left my corporate job a couple of years ago. I had known for a really long time that I wanted to write a book and the timeline for everything just got really compressed and was going much faster than I had anticipated. But the publisher did say, you know, you have until this date to see if there's some people that you can get one of these little blurbs from. So do your best. And when I thought about like, oh my God, reaching out to somebody who's kind of famous and asking for an like an endorsement of some kind or a statement, was really intimidating. I was hyper aware of the fact that, I mean, who am I to even ask one of these people was one of the first questions that came into my mind. I thought about it a lot. And the the two people that came to mind were Stephen Pressfield and Seth Godin. So Stephen Pressfield wrote a book that I absolutely love and I recommend it all the time. It's called The War of Art. It is an amazing, amazing book about facing fear and resistance whenever you're trying to start something new. So I will give that book a plug here. I highly recommend it. You probably, if you have heard of him, you probably know him because he wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance, but he's also written nonfiction. So he came to mind. And then the other person who came to mind was Seth Godin. Seth Godin, I had seen in an interview with Marie Forleo, where he was talking about facing fear and taking action. And it really resonated with me. These were both Pieces of content that I had come across when I was trying to make my decision around leaving my corporate job. And so they were very powerful, influential things that kind of stayed in my head. And it was very, very intimidating <laughs> to think I'm gonna reach out to these people and ask them for something. Like this is insane. So it was scary, and I had to think about what the fear really was. And you know, of course, the fear of rejection, I mean, I don't even know if you can call it that. It's it's like It felt like a certainty of rejection, not really a fear of rejection, but really what it came down to was like, am I gonna say the right thing? So, you know, I had to draft a written communication that wasn't too, so wordy that they wouldn't read it and wasn't, I don't know, just had to feel like very grounded and just what are are the words that you say when you're reaching out to someone you've never met who probably gets requests like that all the time. There was just a lot of thinking that went into that. And then the other piece was, what, you know, obviously, what if they say no? But that was kind of silly because I expected them to say no, which is a topic for another day because (laughs) there's some limiting beliefs and stuff that are obviously coming up as part of that process because it was a very new to me the entire experience. So the real fear, like the fear was kind of baseless because it was, I kind of expected that I would get a no. And the worst case scenario was actually that I wasn't going to hear anything at all. Like they just weren't going to respond, which so I'm not going to die. If that happens and it doesn't change anything, I'm going to proceed as planned. I'm still going to publish my book and do all the things. And it, it just doesn't, it doesn't change anything. So I had to work through that. And then a really cool thing happened. So, I sent those emails fully expecting to get no response. And you know what? They both responded to me. And they both responded to me with these lovely, supportive messages where they did say no but I actually got email communication back from Seth Godin and Stephen Pressfield. And that to me was super cool. Like that actually was good enough for me. It helped me to see like, yeah, that can be big and scary. And you may put a lot of weight on who these people are because they're influential and they're experts in their fields and all of that, but they're still just people and they're just really grounded, humble people at that. Me having the courage to send those messages, allowed me to have that experience where I actually communicated with two people that had been really instrumental instrumental in my personal decision, and I was able to express my gratitude to them. There was a net win for me in that. And even if I hadn't heard from them, there would have been a net win because I would have gone ahead and done something that felt really scary for me And even if I had never heard from them, I would have that knowledge that I can do things that feel scary and everything's going to be okay. So when you're in the fear place and you're thinking like, is this going to be a failure? Am I going to get a no? Am I going to try something and it's not going to work out? It is worth examining whether or not what you're avoiding is having your hope taken away from you, right? Because hope is perpetual if you never take action. You can always have hope for the future or tell yourself that it's in the future and it allows you to kind of dream and pin your hopes on something. Well, there we go, hopes. And to think that this is possible for me in the future and if I never take action, it will always be a possibility. Don't do that to yourself. That is just a recipe for staying stagnant. It is much better to try And if it doesn't work out to learn from how it didn't work out because that's not the end of the road it doesn't mean you can't try again it doesn't mean you're not going to get precious information in that effort that you're going to be able to apply and get there eventually and or maybe you'll try it and it doesn't work out and you decide that's okay because ultimately it really wasn't the right thing and i just had had it in my mind for so long that i needed to try it and experience and know that it wasn't for me so that now i can figure out what is for me if you never try in order to have the possibility in front of you forever, you're stagnant, okay? I don't care what it's allowing you to dream of and think of and live in fluffy cloudland where the rainbows are perpetual. No, don't do that, okay? Let's say rejection is one of your fears. One of my favorite sayings is rejection is protection because I truly believe that. Now, in some cases, like, you know, okay, me getting, quote, rejected by Stephen Pressfield and Seth Godin didn't protect me from anything necessarily. But it didn't hurt me in any way and I got benefit from it. But in other cases, when something doesn't work out, it's really because it's not meant for you. Whether it's taking you down a path that is not going to get you close to the thing that's really going to be fulfilling. It could be just not for right now. It might not be, the timing may not be appropriate, what you're trying to do and who you're trying to do it with. It might not be the right person. It might be under... Um, circumstances that are aren't ideal you have no idea but what I would like for you to do is get to the point where you have faith in and trust the process so that if something is meant for you you believe that it will happen really sometimes no just means not right now or not this person and the opportunity may show up again in a different form on a different timeline or maybe it's just altogether something else that you need to do but You will not know unless you take the step and stop toiling away in perfectionism and stop letting fear stop you. Stop allowing the fear to be the thing that keeps you from taking that forward action. One of the most important things that you get from trying something, even when you don't feel completely prepared and moving forward anyway, is that you build your resiliency around faith in yourself, faith in the process, faith that you will see what you need to see, when you need to see it, you need to build that resiliency so that you become more and more comfortable with taking action before you have every single detail worked out. The reality is, and you know this from your own experiences, it is often not until you are in the thing that you are trying that you will get to see what needs to be adjusted, where you need to apply a different kind of effort, you often can't see that until you're really in it and you're doing it. And that clarity comes and you see it because you're experiencing it real time instead of theoretically approaching it from a what if perspective. If you can learn to have some faith and to trust the process. Even though sometimes it's a rough ride and it's bumpy and it can even be shitty at times, like let's just be real. You learn the most about yourself in those periods and you can be really empowered by that if you choose to be. So there's a perspective shift here that's necessary as well. If you are in fear that is driving your need for control and avoidance of outcomes that you don't want, that's very disempowered. If on the other hand, you can ask yourself, Is this for now or later? Is it necessary? What am I afraid of? And take action. Even if you don't have all the answers, you will learn the most about yourself and you will feel empowered because you are making a decision to proceed. You are not allowing other things to stop you from proceeding. And by other things, it's really that you're not allowing what's happening in your head that is just overthinking overanalyzing, analysis paralysis very disempowered, keep you from taking action to move forward, which is the empowered approach. Because you can handle whatever comes up. You can even handle it if ultimately you view that thing as a failure, even if you get rejected, even if it doesn't end up being the thing. You can still feel empowered by all of that if you build your resiliency and trust that this is part of the process of getting to where you really want to be. So if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking again with you soon.